0: It is great to be with you today, and in case we haven't met, my name is Chad Murphy. I'm the spiritual formation pastor here at Mercy Road. If you're joining us online, we want to welcome you. If you're in person, we get to welcome you, and it is my privilege to be the one to share God's word with you this morning. But before we do, I thought I'd start with a confession. I don't know how long it was ago, but Ari has struck a chord with me, and and I've gone from the 19 80s to roughly the 1990s in my contemporary Christian music and I decided (laughs) that maybe I should open my mind a little bit to some of the newer worship songs and and so when we began to merge with Mercy Road I was hearing new things I would go home and I would google the title and I'd listen to the song well I don't know a month or six weeks ago that last song we just sang uh, came on because uh, Google's starting to figure me out and, and, and what I like to listen to. And, and so I heard this song, and um, my wife had stayed with her mom. So she was gone for the night, and it was morning, and I wanted to do a little workout before coming to church. And I put this on, and, and I didn't know what song was coming, and that song came on, and I was alone in the basement. And guys, I danced. I danced. All right. So, you don't have to dance. I'm not asking you to step that far, okay, because that's, that's crazy for a Midwesterner. But I was walking around with my hands in the air. I was singing. The bass was really high so I could physically feel the music. And I came in, and Ari already knew the song, of course, but I'm like, we've got to do this song. And it's so fun to sing this song, Ari. God bless you and, and, and the person behind the song, and it just praises God in every possible way, as we should, because there's nothing better than Him. Amen? Well, today, we're going to continue our journey in the book of Acts, chapter 17. If you want to join us, I would love it if you did. We're going to look at verses 19 through 23 together in a few minutes. We're in a series called Honest Evangelism, and I don't want that word to freak you out, because it kind of freaks me out. And so we're going to talk about that word, we're going to define it and give it some understanding that I hope we feel good about as we leave here today. The, the title of the message is Finding Common Ground. And I think at the end, it's going to make a lot of sense to you why I've titled the message that way. But let's first define this word evangelism. Um, evangelism simply means the sharing of the gospel which is another word that I think we should define (laughs) because all these words were foreign to me when I first came to church, and they were used like everybody knew them, and I'm like, what does that actually mean? And so the gospel is simply sharing the good news of Jesus Christ. So when we think about evangelism, we think about the gospel, all I want you to remember is we are asking all of us to share the good news that Jesus has done for us in our lives, and to share the hope that came to us through our Savior, Jesus Christ. That's what evangelism is. It's the sharing and the good news. The gospel is simply the good news of Jesus Christ. But I want to begin by asking you something that might make us all think. Think about the darkest place, and I don't mean physical light. I mean dark, feeling like there was a spiritual darkness that you maybe ever lived or ever visited. Before I became a pastor, before I even knew the Lord as Savior, um, my wife and I were blessed. I was a pharmaceutical salesman, and every once in a while, we got to go to a special place. It was an award trip, they called it. And they would uh, fly us to a special place, and we'd get to spend three days and, and truly, we, we kind of got to be spoiled. I mean, they treated us so kindly, and, and meals were provided, and it was so cool, it was such a blessing. Well, we went to a very historic city here in the United States that's going to remain nameless. And the reason is, you may love this city. And I don't want that to get us all goofed up. Because the point of the story is, we landed in this city, and, and I was so excited, and, We got into a hotel, and it was beautiful. But within a few hours, I was feeling a weight of darkness. I I, I didn't even know the Lord yet, but there was something about this city that put a heavy weight on me, and and I felt it. And I didn't even want to admit it to my wife because I wanted her to have a special time, but it just felt like a burden on me. And it was probably... 24 hours later, I think we were going maybe to dinner, and we finally, it just came out. And my my wife said, do you feel like a a cloud over this place, a a darkness in this place? And I said, yes, (laughs) I'm glad I'm not alone, and I'm kind of glad I'm not crazy, because I was, I couldn't explain it, but yes, it just feels like there's this dark cloud over this city. Well... For us, it never lifted. We had some beautiful times. We got to go to some great restaurants. We were spoiled, and so it wasn't like it was a a disaster. But we were, strangely, and this usually doesn't happen, I was glad to get on the plane and leave and come home to a place I I knew and, and felt safe in. I don't know about you, but I'm guessing we could go around and we could share stories of, of where there's just been a weight of darkness, whether it's over a community or, or, or over a situation. But, but you literally kind of feel it, and, and, and it, it weighs on you and maybe distresses you, especially after you've come to faith in Jesus Christ. Mike did such a good job painting a picture for us last week of this city named Athens. Athens. Paul, the Apostle Paul, who was the one who entered that city, felt the weight that I just shared. He, he felt a burden for this city because everywhere he looked, he saw them worshiping little g gods. They had altars and places that they were worshiping to gods and goddesses, everyone probably known to mankind that they had an altar to. And they even had, and we'll see this in the text today, an altar to an unknown god because they wanted to make sure they had covered all their bases. No little g gods were going to be left out because they wanted to make sure that they were worshiping all the gods. Well, Mike painted this picture for us of this city, but he also told us about the Apostle Paul's response. And if you weren't here last week... Paul, the Apostle Paul, was distressed. That's what the Bible tells us. He he was grieved. He, He was somewhat overwhelmed by the darkness that he saw as he walked the city streets and saw these altars to all these little G gods. And in this place of being deeply distressed, he had a burden that he couldn't shake. And Paul, if you remember did anything and everything to share his hope in Jesus Christ. He went into the synagogue and pointed to Christ. He went into the marketplace, was, was the common areas of the city, and he just shared Jesus with anybody and everybody who would listen. And he didn't just do it once. He got up the courage to do it day after day after day. And the Bible tells us not everybody received it and immediately came to Christ. In fact, there were people who pushed back and were disagreeing and arguing with the Apostle Paul. We read about these philosophers, and the philosophers in Athens began to say, this man I think might be crazy. He's talking about a a God. He's talking about a God we've never heard of. And so they argue with the Apostle Paul, but then they invite him to come and share what he seems to understand about this unknown God that they never had heard about. So they invited him into a place where the philosophers loved to gather called the Areopagus. And the Areopagus, Are- I'm going to say it again, the Areopagus was a sacred meeting place where the thinkers and the philosophers gathered nearly every day to wrestle with new ideas. And and that's where we pick up our story today in Acts chapter 17. And I'll begin with verse 19. Then they took him, the apostle Paul, and brought him to a meeting of the Areopagus, where they said to him, May we know what this new teaching is that you are presenting you are bringing some strange ideas to our ears, and we want to know what they mean. All the Athenians and the foreigners who lived there spent their time doing nothing but talking about and listening to the latest ideas. I'm going to pause there for a second. It sounds like an interesting place to live, right? especially if you're one of the thinkers or the philosophers and you have time. I don't know how they had incomes. I don't understand, you know, why they got to do this, but they just gathered every day to talk about the latest ideas. And so these philosophers would gather, and that's what they're doing. The Apostle Paul, in last week's text, mentions two types of philosophers that were mainly present in Athens— One group was called the Epicureans, and they believed that seeking pleasure and seeking happiness was the most important goal of life. So so they held pleasure and happiness up, and their thoughts were, how do we obtain more pleasure, more happiness? So that's what they wanted to find in life. Well, the Stoics were the other primary group group of philosophers, and they were almost the exact opposite. They emphasized the suppression of emotions. They would not have liked me dancing in my basement, okay? They would have said, look at this guy, he's crazy. So they, they thought you should suppress your emotions, hide your emotions, and they held up the importance of ethics and pursuit of a divine law. But both of these groups got uncomfortable with the Apostle Paul. So they were arguing with him, And I want you to try to be you can be a Stoic or you can be an Epicurean. It doesn't matter. But I want you to try to be one of these philosophers this morning. And you're about to leave your house and your spouse says, where are you off to? And you say, well, I'm back up to the Areopagus. We got a really crazy one today. (laughs) There's this man we met in the marketplace. And he's talking what I believe is a God named Jesus. And get this. He says this Jesus has been raised from the dead. I think this Apostle Paul is nuts. And I can't wait to get there. And we're just going to run this man over because he's crazy. And so you're one of those philosophers. And you're about to make your way up to the Areopagus. And your spouse says, all right have fun. And by the way, would you pick up some bread before you come home tonight? And you say, all right, I will. And and you, you head out the door. And now you're gathered at this sacred meeting place and the Apostle Paul is about to speak. And that's where we pick up our story with verse 22. Paul then stood up in the meeting of the Areopagus and said, men of Athens, I see that in every way you are very religious. For as I walked around and looked carefully at the objects of worship, I even found an altar with this inscription, to an unknown God. Now what you worship as an unknown God, I am going to proclaim to you. And I'm going to stop there and hopefully leave you hungry because you've got to come back next week. Okay? But Paul says, uh, "I'm going to proclaim to you about this unknown God." So, so here's what I don't want us to miss this morning: Paul's response to the distress, to the weight that he was feeling about these false idols and these altars to all these little g gods was to go, to go to the synagogue, to go to the marketplace. And even go to the Areopagus, where these fancy philosophers and thinkers gathered. And I bet if Paul were here, he would say, I knew they were going to grill me. I knew they were going to try to challenge me and overturn my beliefs. But man, they invited me to come. And there's no way I was going to miss a chance to point to Jesus Christ. You see, that's what I want us to pick up and it's kind of the bridge from last week's message to today's message, is the Apostle Paul, through his distress and love for Jesus, felt like, I have to point these people who don't know the Lord to the Lord, regardless of the consequences. It called him and compelled him to act. And that's what I want to start with today, if you're following in your bulletins, about sharing our faith, Number one is, does our concern compel us to act? Does our concern for the lost actually compel us to do something about it, to, to share and, and, and to point and to live in a way that it reflects Jesus to those that God puts into our lives? Because the Apostle Paul felt this profound um, uh, dissatisfaction inside. He, He was greatly, greatly distressed by what he witnessed. And what happened is he couldn't help but step into it and share and point others to Jesus Christ. So does our concern, just like Paul, compel us to actually act and share our hope in Jesus Christ? Because when our hearts break, we can, if we're not careful, feel overwhelmed especially as it feels like our culture may be drifting further away from the Lord. Well, one of the responses we can have is, I'm just one person. I don't even know what to do. And, 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 and most of my friends now don't, don't even like to have discussions and, and get frustrated when I bring up Jesus. And we can feel overwhelmed. But sometimes our broken hearts cause something else, and that is fear. Right? We, we just feel overwhelmed at the thought of sharing and pointing others to Jesus Christ. So we hope that other people will do it, but but we don't want to be the ones who step through the door and share our hope in Jesus Christ. Well, I'm hoping, with God's help, we can get past both of those realities today. Paul was distressed by the depth of how lost the people of Athens were and what it did Is it compelled him to act? Does our concern for others and the lost compel us to act? That's the first question. And the second thing I want us to notice this morning is just how creative the apostle Paul was in finding common ground with those God put into his life. Paul was meeting with philosophers. He was meeting with thinkers. And so he starts his message by trying to find something they share in common. And Paul noticed as he walked this city that they were pursuing God. (laughs) They, They didn't know the God of the Bible, but they had altars everywhere to every God they could think of. And then he noticed this curiosity just to make sure they had their bases covered They even created an altar to worship an unknown God. And I think a light bulb went off for the Apostle Paul. And he said, you know what? You are very religious. Man, I've walked your city. It's crazy. You're worshiping every God imaginable. I even found this altar, an altar to an unknown God. Well, I share the same religious Zealousy, you do. I I am hungry to know. And guess what? This altar to an unknown God, I've met him. I know him personally, and I can't wait to share him with you today. You see, it took some time, but Paul put together this idea that I'm going to find common ground with these people who are arguing with me, and, and from that place, I'm going to point them to my Savior. And the common ground for them was they were religious, they were hungry to know, and they even wanted to make sure they were worshiping this unknown God. And Paul says, I know him, and I'm going to share him with you today. So our second point this morning is vitally important for us, is finding common ground helps Open the door so we have the opportunity to share our hope in Jesus Christ. Again, this idea of finding common ground helps us get onto a space with those that God has put into our lives. And we're far less likely to run them over if we find something in common that we can share and then navigate to pointing them towards Jesus Christ. I'm going to reveal an important biblical secret to you today. I believe the Apostle Paul may have been the greatest evangelist who ever lived. He was the greatest missionary God probably ever has placed on the earth. And he had a strategy for evangelism. Guess what it was? He sought to find common ground with his audience. And it's not just me saying that. I to, he wrote about it. Look at 1 Corinthians chapter 9, and we'll begin with verse 19. Again, 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 19. This is the Apostle Paul, and he says, Though I am free and belong to no man, I make myself a slave to everyone to win as many as possible. To the Jews, I became like a Jew to win the Jews. To those under the law, I became like one under the law, though I myself am not under the law, so as to win those under the law. Verse 21, to those not having the law, I became like one not having the law, though I'm not free from God's law, but under Christ's law, so as to win those not having the law. To the weak, I became weak to win the weak, I have become all things to all men so that by all possible means I might save some. I do it all for the sake of the gospel that I might share in its blessing. Do you hear what Paul is writing there? Can you feel it? Can you see it? Paul is saying, I will turn the world upside down to find common ground with the people God has put in my lives. Though I'm not a slave, I make myself a slave. Why? Because with God's help, I want to win as many as possible to saving faith in Jesus Christ. Paul is just basically saying, I'm going to do anything and everything possible so that I can relate to my audience and they can relate to me. You're Jewish? I make myself a Jew. You're, you're weak? I've been there, done that. I've been so weak that I didn't know if I would be able to get up and leave because I was stoned and left for dead. Paul just took his experiences. He didn't have to make them up. He, he was a Jew. He, he was weak. He was under the law. He was free from the law. He was all those things. And so he took his experiences and said, I'm going to take those common experiences so that I can share the hope of Jesus Christ. I will make myself a slave to anyone and everyone just to have the privilege to point them to Jesus Christ. Folks, the Apostle Paul understood that one of the greatest tools we have to share Jesus is to find some common ground to walk on. And from that place, barriers come down. From that place, ears begin to open, hearts begin to soften, and we may get the privilege to share Christ. And when we do, we've got to find the courage to walk through the door. So here's what I want to share before... I invite a dear friend up this morning. In the book of Acts, the Apostle Paul found common ground by seeing that they were very religious, that they were hungry to know God and pursue God. They just didn't know the true God. But they were really religious, and he identified with that. He also saw that they even wanted to have their bases covered and had this altar to an unknown God. So we use that as an opportunity. I want to enlighten you about this unknown God that you've been worshiping already. I want to make him known to you. So that's what the Apostle Paul did to find common ground. But I also want us to understand that's the Apostle Paul, and it may feel daunting to think about him and me and you and how does that relate to me. So I want to invite a dear friend up. Jimmy, would you come on up? I met Jimmy here at Mercy Road. It's the first time I got to meet Jimmy. Uh, Jimmy and I are getting to know each other more and more, and, and I delight as I uh, take this journey with Jimmy, and Jimmy has found a unique way to find some common ground with some other people. Why don't I give you this, and you can sit right there. So, Jimmy, thank you again for joining me up here today, and I just want to say... Uh, I've learned something about you, and that is that you love dogs, and you happen to go to a certain do- dog park almost every day. Is that true?
1: Yes, that is true. I, um, can I name names? Or not?
0: I think <laughs> you can name names. <laughs>
1: Alley Magnet is the dog park I go to. and uh, I retired um, from the post office after 30-some years in 2013, and I can count on one hand. The days that I've missed since then.
0: Going to the dog park? Going to the dog park, yeah. (laughs) That's pretty cool. Now, knowing that you love dogs and you love going to the dog park, I've also come to learn from you and some other people that walking your dog has not been the only thing you're doing while at the dog park. What else have you been up to in the dog park?
1: Well, I I found that it's... uh, excellent place to uh, witness to people because there, there's so many people there and and you already have a common bond and that's the dogs and everyone's really friendly and uh, it, i just find it so easy and, and uh, with my life a uh, good portion of my life i uh, was addicted to drugs and alcohol and and praise god i had a friend that that had accepted christ and he he witnessed to me and uh, my life has never been the same. And Amen. and um, I thought, why not share that with everybody I see? You know, I, I can't think of a better game in town than eternity.
0: You know? Amen. Amen. And Jimmy used this word, which is, which is appropriate and good. It's this idea of witnessing. And it simply means to, to point to God, to speak and share God, and to also share your hope in Jesus. And so, I, I appreciate that. Jimmy, um, this wasn't one of the questions I asked you in the first... But does everybody just love it and embrace and come to Mercy Road when you invite them?
1: No. Um, <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I have more no's than yeses. But, um, you know, I, I had a job working direct sales, and my boss said it was a numbers game. If you pound on so many doors eventually someone's going to buy that from you. And it holds true as well as witnessing. Um, Some people are going to say no to it and a lot of people will say yes. And I just know it's a numbers game. And I pray for them whether they say yes or no. I say a little prayer that if they don't take it now, down the road they might. And uh, I've invited uh, several people here to Mercy Road and one of the reasons is because of all the wonderful people I've met here. And I'm proud to say I'm a member of Mercy Road because of you people. Amen. And uh, that's why when I get a chance, I invite these people to Mercy Road.
0: Folks, will you just join me? <laughs> Thank you, Jimmy. Thank you, brother. Thank you. I, uh, it's been so fun. Getting to know Jimmy. Um, some of you may know, and, and I hope in a couple weeks we'll, we'll build this story out even more. But one of the couples Jimmy invited to this church, we just baptized. So <clears throat> And if all goes well, we'll hear about them at Easter, so you need to come. OK? Thank you, Jimmy. Thank you. I I want to end with this, a question for all of us. Jimmy found a common ground with those that love dogs. Here's the question. How can we find common ground with those that need to hear and be pointed towards Jesus Christ, those that don't know the Lord? It's easy to share and be excited right here within the walls of the church, isn't it? I might even dance here someday, yeah. I, okay? But, but, it's, but it's pretty safe. It's pretty safe in the confines of, of other believers, right? You, you know, sharing and, and pointing to Christ feels pretty good in here, and, and it gets celebrated, and we clap. Well, that's not always the case out in the world, and I love that Jimmy was honest. He probably bumps into more no's than yes's. But if we keep sharing and keep pointing God uses that, and he loves it when we're obedient. So how do we find common ground? In Athens, the Apostle Paul used the altar to the unknown God as his bridge. In Burnsville, Jimmy uses a love for dogs as a bridge to get the opportunity to point to Jesus and share his love of God. Common ground for you might be school. It might be work. It might be bowling or cards. I don't know what it is, but you do. You know a place where you engage with your neighbors. You know a place where you have an opportunity to step through the door and share your hope in Jesus Christ. I stand up here. I just need to be very real with you. And, and, And I have failed at times to walk through a door I believe God opened for me. My mouth was dry, and I couldn't get there. So I know how fear can get in the way. But I'm also here to tell you that God is here to give us the strength to get up and walk through the door. He's going to give you more opportunities. We just have to be open to it, okay? Amen. Amen? So I ask you to get up off the floor. I ask you to pray for courage. I ask you to pray against fear. I ask you to understand, as Jimmy has learned, that if we keep sharing our love in Jesus, some are going to turn their backs, but some are going to step forward. And if God uses us in that way, what an amazing gift to be used by God to share and point to our Savior. Folks, let's look at it as a privilege not, not as something to be fearful of and to hide from but but something to hold on to and say god equip me give me the courage to step out this door and find common ground and point others to christ both with how i live and with my words and my deeds i want to be a light for christ one last verse and then ari's going to close us in song matthew chapter 9 verses 37 and 38 These are the words of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Then he, Jesus, said to his disciples, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest to send out workers into the harvest field. I ask you to pray that God will send more workers into the harvest field. But I don't want to end there. I ask you and I ask myself, We need to be the workers. Amen? Folks, I know the culture is confused, but I also know that this challenging time we live in, people are searching, and we have answers. And and all I ask you is, is to engage with the love of Christ to a world that is growing dark and needs light. We're... God's light into this world. And he will use us if we find the courage to step forward. Will you pray that with me? Lord God, I just see Jesus looking out and seeing hundreds, maybe thousands of lost souls, confused, running around not knowing searching for little G gods when right before them was the big G, God Jesus, the the Savior, the way, the truth, and the life was standing before them. And they couldn't see it. And Jesus just looked out and said, guys, we got to be praying for more workers. Look at this field. It's ripe and ready. We need more workers. Lord, may we be your workers. May we find the courage to go out into the harvest field. Thank you, Lord. I just pray and thank you in advance for what you're doing and what you will do. And may it spread. And may we encourage and and love others. And may they love and encourage and so on and so on for your kingdom and for your glory. This is our prayer. We pray it in Jesus' name. Amen.